Hey, this is D Snyder. You're listening to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Hell yeah. Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, bam, bam. Diddly D. Well, all right, yeah, Dr. Fuck, and with, uh... Oh, yeah! Hey, there he is. It seems like you're drinking like always, right? Yes, like well, always. I got something I want you to hear. Listen to this. Oh, dude, you can't go pee on live radio. That's not pee, dude. It's Friday night! Yeah, it's a Friday night Woo! taping. Which means we're drunk. It's not singular. I'm I'm flicking the can. This, this ain't the can. this ain't no Abbott and Costello. This is Costello and Costello. And here yeah, we go. Yeah, listen, yeah. listen. Yeah, ringing the bell. Excuse me as this I take like, a sip. This is like Chong and Chong, and there ain't nothing wrong with that. Woo. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I, I think, like, my favorite Friday episode we ever did was the Cheap Trick Heavens Tonight because I was just so into it. And uh, I was like, dude, we got to do another Cheap Trick run. Don't get me started on that fucking episode. Let me tell you one thing about uh, the review, the reviewing Dream, Dream Police. I have that channel of the Air Vault for the review, whatever. And I, I reviewed the first Cheap Trick album. I got some shit from it because, you know, there's boneheads out there that can't accept. Like, you know, people actually on YouTube is like, ah, man, you're fucking, you're reviewing Cheap Trigger. I'm like, uh, how much are you paying to watch this again? You know, it's like, ah, fuck them people. Yeah, exactly. Fuck them. Anyway, and, um, but there was one guy, he wrote me and he said, actually, he didn't write me, it was a comment. I guess it's on the Cheap Trick one. Uh, the Cheap Trick first album. He wrote, dude. So happy you're reviewing Cheap Trick to one of my favorite bands and blah blah blah. And I would love to see you do a review of Dream Police. And I'm reading this, I'm like, yeah, but dude, I ain't gonna do no fucking review anytime soon of Cheap Trick. I like to spread it out with different bands. And then he said, yeah, you know, this and that, and I'm in a wheelchair. And I was like, fuck. So there was like the dude in a wheelchair requesting Dream Police. So bam, I put it right back up. I was like, fuck everybody. And I even said in that episode, I was like. Because I watched that episode now to get, you know, get refreshed with the inside shit where Ian actually right. didn't do no homework, which is fine, dude. I got it all right here. Right. Yeah. I, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to wing it. And, it, and, and, I'm gonna... and it, it, it is such a perfect album, man. It, it, you know, it some, is. Sometimes, I, you know, like Black Sabbath, I have a hard time choosing my favorite cheat trick album. But man, I think this one is, it is the best one. You know? Uh... Sometimes yeah, I think yeah, it's the first one, but nah, nah, I would say this one. Fuck it. Uh, spoiler alert. This is the perfect Cheat Trick album. This is my favorite Cheat Trick album. Yeah, dude. It's, it is. It's perfect. It's I, 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 th- I think this album is a total amalgamation. Is that a word? Uh, they, they took all the best parts of the first three albums and made like Mulligan Stew with this shit and is it, it, is it, it, it imagine, fucking rules isn't it a when they poop on your mom's chest 
No, no, that's, uh, a, that's, that's a Cleveland steamer. Damn, they don't sound nothing alike. <laughs> what a faux pas! <laughs> Isn't it a faux pas? Shouldn't they change the name of Cleveland steamer to a faux pas? Doesn't faux pas sound more like somebody shitting on somebody's chest? I, all, all I know is is a is a fupa is is when the chick's belly hangs over her vajayjay. I think a, that's a fupa. It's called a fupa. A nah, fupa. <laughs> now nah, I'm gonna tell her that I'm gonna say, hey baby, why don't you lay on your chest? Why don't you lay on your back and, I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna faux pas on you. <laughs> yeah, because there's been many a night when I said, hey Justin, just turn around and get on your knees because I don't feel like lifting up your fupa. <laughs> You know, you know, look look at this world we live in. I consider myself to be one deranged, sexual, fucked up individual. I have done like yes, crazy. There's some stuff I have done that you know how I am. I'm an open book, and I'll tell you, I'll give a fuck. But then there's some stuff. It's like I don't want nobody to know I did that. And no, it's not gay stuff. It's actually I think worse. <laughs> no, it wasn't with animals either. It was actually with a girl. What I made a girl do once was so foul and disgusting that I even said to myself, yeah, there's something wrong with me. But, I can never shit on a chick's chest, dude. It's like weird. It's hard enough for me to take a shit in a, in a fucking public bathroom with some guy in the shitter next to me. Much less a girl laying on her back saying, all right, here, I'm gonna leave a log on your chest. What the fuck's wrong with that? Yeah, and speaking of that, you know. <laughs> yeah, you wanna talk about dream police? Or should we continue this shit? Hold on, hold yeah. on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, yeah, baby, Friday night. Yeah. I once gave a chick a Kansas City hot plate, but I would probably rather talk about <laughs> a Kansas City hot plate. That, yeah. I gotta Google that one. Oh no, no, this is the best. This is the best. So I'm working with this guy. Who's freaking out because his his uh, wife is reading uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, all those books and shit, and he's like, she wants to do all this freaky shit now, and uh, and so me and my buddy just start fucking with him, and we start naming all these like deranged sex acts, uh, you, you know, and, and some of them were real, and he just kept googling everything, and I uh, and. Uh, and he's like, oh my god, this is the sky. We're just like making up, like, because of course we never read these books, you know. But we're making up, you know, real shit. That's pretty disgusting. And then I, we're like, hey, just wait till she gets to the second book. And he's like, why? I'm like, because that bitch gonna make you give her a Kansas City hot plate. And I just made that up off the top of my head. And he started Googling. <laughs> he started Googling it. And he's like, oh, that's not even on the internet. I go, yeah, I go, because it's that fucking disgusting. And the guy's just like freaking out. Like probably went home and beat his wife and shit, you know, because she wanted an imaginary Kansas City hot plate. <laughs> that's too vile for the internet. That's right. That's like uh, Justin's family. They're too vile for the internet. Yeah. You never see them either. Yes. There are a bunch of Kansas City hot plates in that family. <laughs> and they don't, they don't have the internet because they tried making a satellite dish by hooking up a, a 9 volt battery to a hubcap but they got no reception <laughs> <laughs> from a 72 peno hatchback <laughs> uh, oh, man. there's six teeth between all of them 
Oh, man. Yeah, I'm feeling great, dude. And yeah, and we are talking about the Dream Police. Now, Ian, I know you're a little too young. You're a little, like a little whippersnapper. But I will tell yeah. you something about Dream Police. Um, I I already told the story how I discovered Cheap Trick, I'm sure, with In Color. Then, uh, I, I, you know, I knew him before Budokan. And I was really... Back then, I was really good at predicting bands becoming huge. And even though Cheap Trick, nobody really knows this, but that was around back then. But Cheap Trick was huge. I mean, huge. Uh, the, the peak is this album. This uh, the popularity peak was definitely yes, uh, yes. Dream Police. But you know, back then nobody knew Cheap Trick, and and I would always like champion them. They were like one of my favorite bands back then. And uh, so by the time Budokan came out, you know, it exploded. And it was my very first concert. And uh, I remember reading in magazines, the, and uh, you know, and, and when I well, I'm getting ahead of myself. When I saw the concert, Rick Nielsen said at one point during the show, this was actually technically the Budokan tour, not Evan Tonight. They were right. supporting Budokan, and Rick Nielsen said on stage, "Yeah, we got an album that we recorded a while ago, but you know, we haven't released it yet. We don't know when it's coming out." Uh, but we're going to play a song off it now. And I also remember reading in magazines, like, you know, song titles, like, Gonna Race Hell. And, you know, and, and I'm thinking, man, where the world. I'm like, man, I can't wait to hear this fucking album. And it was an eternity, which today wouldn't be an eternity. But it was delayed for so long because of the success of Budokan. That wasn't right. even supposed to be released, really. Correct. Anyway, and uh, another cool thing, this is the first Cheap Trick album since the first album that features all four members on the cover. Yes, sir. Because it's usually just... Uh... And, uh, well, I, I guess I'm... Oh, never, never mind, I'm totally wrong. Uh, As you were saying. Yeah, so uh, then when it finally came out, it just blew my mind. And it has aged so well. This is one of those, yes. I mean, all that 70s cheap trick shit for me has aged so well, you know? I mean, the, yes, band, sir. the band was so badass back in the day, George Martin didn't want to produce anybody, but he produced cheap trick, you know? That's right. So, uh, yeah, man. So I remember buying this album, saw the tour, um, and the tour was actually no opening act. It was a night with cheap trick. And nice. uh, they played, let me think. Yeah, they played this full album. Like, not, you know, in order. But I do remember that night was the night I saw this whole album played live. And one thing, well, I'll talk about that when I get to that song. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, I don't recall when I bought it or when I finally got it or none of that. It's been so long, you know? What is it, 36 years now? 30, yeah. It's going on 37 years since I, you know, bought this shit. So, yeah, I'm ah. when I first bought it. I remember first buying In Color. I remember the first time I heard Budokan because my brother's friend owned the import before it became domestically available here. And, um, but yeah, I don't remember uh, actually buying this album and, and hearing it for the first time. I really don't. But there you go. That's my uh, little interlude for Dream Police. So tell us uh, how you discovered it back in the late 80s. Uh, yeah, I probably got this late 80s or early 90s. 
uh, my first Cheap Trick album, uh, uh, what was the, the horrible one? Uh, wow, there's many of those. Well, uh, not no, many. No. They're not ma there's more right, right, good right. ones than bad ones. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, the, the one with the The doctor? Plane. Oh, Lap of Luxury. No, yeah, Lap of Luxury. That, that was my first one, even though I knew, like, I want you to want me. And, of course, you know, the radio songs. But that was the first, uh, well, I, I think I bought Lap of Luxury on cassette. And then I ended up getting uh, Cheap Trick's Greatest Hits, uh, an amazing album. And then I was like, man, I need to dig into these guys. And once I decided I was a Cheap Trick fan and I needed to get into them, Dream Police was the first one I bought. Ah, and, wise uh, choice. You, you, you did the right move there. Can you imagine yeah. if it would have been The Doctor or one of those? You'd be like, oh, I give up on this band. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, I think back then you could only get Doctor on Real to Real. You know, it was fucking, you know, yeah. nobody wanted the doctor. Now, uh, now the only way you can get the doctor now is uh, in the in the black market. Yes. Uh, or you can get it from Japan or through Mr. X. Yeah, they, they you, yeah, the only way you can get it is with child porn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <'cause... laughs> it's just yeah. as disturbing. Boy, let's review Trust that shit. Let's take acid and review the doctor. <laughs> oh shit! All right. Well, uh, one thing I, I left out, uh, and I'll, I'll get more in depth when we get to the song. But uh, there was there was a reason that I went out and bought uh, the Dream Police. Like I'd already loved Greatest Hits, and at the time, I gotta admit, I did like Lap Luxury. I, I, do, I you know what? I don't think that's a, a terrible album. I mean, it had some really bad well, songs. There's some good, as I there's, get, there's some highlights. Yeah, as I get older, it's not the cheap trick I know and love. But you know, I'm not gonna sit here and say I didn't love the flame when it came. And I still love the flame. I, I like the flame, but, but I got. I, I will tell you, fucking. Uh, I think Lap Luxury is better than the two previous ones. Uh, standing on the edge and the doctor were piss poor, in my opinion. Yeah, 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 the, yeah. Even though there's some great songs. Oh well, I, I like I like more songs on Standing on the Edge than the Doctor. Well, I don't like that. But anyway, uh, and you know, and then I always heard the stories, you know, from my from my dad, and I think I talked about this on, on previous Cheap Trick episodes. Uh, you know, you know, I'm from south of Chicago. My dad is, and you know, Cheap Trick's from Rockford, Illinois, and my dad ended up living in an apartment in Malibu. Uh, and uh, Tom Peterson and Robin Zander shared an apartment in the same apartment complex, and and this was right before uh, Budokan broke, you know, and they got big. And he used to talk to them because it was one of those apartments where you know you got like a laundry room you got to go to, and they would just talk shit about you know coming from Illinois and being in California, and uh, you know go going to the same venues in Chicago to see bands and everything. And then he said, you know, Budokan broke. And then, he, you know, he never saw him again. They moved out. <laughs> you know, they had money. Uh, no, yeah. you never told that story before. Oh, I, I did? Yeah. No. Yeah. So, uh, but, uh, I, man, I just love this fucking album. And I got to say, like, I'm getting so excited and drinking, getting ready to do this episode. But in, in a way, I, I, start, I start getting pissed because, uh, you know, traditionally... Our cheap trick episodes haven't done that well, yeah. and it just it, it just bothers me. Like like I love the people that you know you, you listen to it, you love it, great. I appreciate everybody 
who listens to it, but it's just like, why is this fucking band yeah. not huge? You know, you know, you know, and it's it's one of those you know an easy way to break it down would be is like, you know, they're not heavy enough for heavy metal fans, but it's it's too heavy for pop fans. But to me, they are just a perfect band that is just so perfect. You know, they are they're incredible, incredible vocals, instrumentation, the songwriting. I, I think is the one thing. You know, the number one thing. I put them up there with Pete Townsend, man. Oh yeah, I, I mean, just amazing songwriting. But they're one of those bands, like a fucking, uh, you know, like a Thin Lizzy, where, or, or even for people who aren't into hard rock like kiss you know they know the the very few songs that get played on the radio you know they know the flame they know i want you to want me and surrender and if you don't like those songs or you're just like you know burned out on them which i understand uh you know you never give this band a proper chance because this they're a cult band for a reason because if you dig deep they're fucking amazing. And like any cult band, it's the same thing. You know, the same thing with Thin Lizzy. is much more than fucking, you know, boys are back in town. You know, and Kiss is more than rock and roll all night. You know, this is, this is a band with an amazing catalog of just catchy, perfect pop music. But for, for some reason, you know, it's just like, ah, I, I just want to strangle this fucking planet. Because... They're so fucking stupid. But then again, if they weren't so stupid, you know, I would just be average instead of being as awesome as I am. That is but true. I want more. I want more people to be awesome like me and realize this shit, you know. And you know, I know you go off a lot. You know, you, you say this. Uh, you know, you get real mad when people say you have excellent taste, and you always say that means you just have taste like me. But I do have excellent taste. <laughs> and and. and and I'm willing, I, and there's, there's so many bands that I'm willing to disagree on, you, you know, or, or I'm willing for, I'm willing for other people's opinions. Like, okay, you know, uh, I like Winger. If people don't like Winger, dude, I get that. You, you know, hey, you know, I love Frank Zappa. If you don't like Frank Zappa, I understand. You know, it's a little hard to get into. But if you don't like shit like The Beatles or Cheap Trick, I just really don't fucking trust you or your opinion because <laughs> certain things I think are so fucking like, duh, duh, motherfucker, you know, like across the board, awesome. If you don't get it, there's something wrong with you. And I am confident in, in saying that. If you don't like Cheap Trick, that's on you, motherfucker. You have a problem, not me. Well, you would have people argue with you, but they're not listening. Yeah, and I don't give a shit. And I don't give a shit about those people. You know, it's like, it's like somebody tell me, like, once somebody tells me they like Van Hagar or Sammy Hagar, that the nothing that comes out of your mouth after that I even hear. I look at you, your lips are moving, but I'm not paying attention. I'm thinking of something else. Because you've already shown me you have zero fucking taste, you know? And I'm, I'm sorry. I do think I have good musical taste. And I have enough common sense to admit when there's a band that I like, and, and everybody has this stuff, they like something you know it's not that good, but for whatever reason you like it, 
you know, but you know it's really not that good. And then there's some shit that is just good. There's no way, you know, about denying it. It's like, guys, I know men who say they don't like blowjobs. Wow. I, and I, I shit you not. Yes, no, I actually, I did, I may rest in peace. <laughs> it's not that he didn't like blowjobs. He never received one because in his say, he said, oh, I would never let a girl do that because it's unsanitary. Yeah, but no, I know guys who've got blowjobs and will sit there and tell you, I don't like them. Well, I don't the, like the, them. They're weird. They have, they have, yeah, they have, yeah. Well, then again, maybe well, it's because their, their penis is so small they have no feeling about it. More importantly than weird, though, they're just outright wrong. Well, it, you know, the moral of your story is you kind of love cheap tricks. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was getting at. That's what I was getting at. If you don't like blowjobs or cheap trick, then you suck. Then you're the uh, you're you're the person on the other end of my cock. <laughs> Ju- Justin. <laughs> Justin. Justin Childers. Well, you know, fucking Green Acres, North Carolina. Well, I'm sh- man. I would like to. I would love to get a blowjob from some chick in Justin's family because you know you'll feel no teeth. Yeah. Because there exactly. are no teeth there. <laughs> You need his whole family reunion to eat one piece of corn on the cob. <laughs> they True story. It, they pass it around. <laughs> True story. All right, you're going to pass that corn on the cob. <laughs> I can't get and it I, in my tooth. And I ain't even going to tell you what they do with the cob when it's done. But somehow <laughs> it ends up on a Kansas City hot plate. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. This is a great episode. These stupid fucks that don't like Cheap Trick are missing out on, on the Kansas City Hot Play Talk. I know. I, I, I know. That's Like I said, I was, when you said, uh, you know, because we were going to do another episode that we are going to do, uh, you know, and then you change it to Dream Police. At first I was like, eh, but then at the same time I was like, fuck, I love this album so much, but I get mad because people don't tune into these and not only are they great episodes, but they're great albums, and, and I wish people would check it out. It would restore my faith in humanity, which I have almost none. But, uh, you know. But then again, I'm another one of those people who hates people that you hate when people say they hate people. So I like when people like my musical Oh, so I, so I take it you saw my rant video, because you're bringing up all yes. these little things in my rant video. Yes. yes, I did. I was like, oh, my God. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Who shit this guy's kids nah, hey. hot plate today? <laughs> <laughs> no, you got you got admit I have valid points, dude. Seriously. Oh, you do have valid. Oh, uh, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Wait, listen to this. Here, here you go. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I'm drinking too fast. Uh, but it's fucking Friday. This is the best podcast in the world. I love being part of this, dude. This is. It don't get any better than this, dude. We are the underdogs. We never may be as big as, like, get, uh, Chris Jerry Curl, but I'll tell you this, man. <laughs> we are the fucking best. We put him to shit. How do you listen to that idiot? That guy's terrible. He's just terrible. I, I, I know, and, the, and the thing is, though, like, I, I, I've said this before. I like Chris Jer- I loved him as a wrestler when I liked wrestling. I went some. I got on stage with Fozzie. And he handed me the mic, <laughs> and I staged during a Fozzie show. Well, I'm actually, on the video. Actually, they got a video on uh, on uh, YouTube. You can see, and I'm in it twice. You actually know but, a Fozzie uh, song? 
What's that? You actually know a Fozzie song? No, this was this was when they just did the covers. Out. Oh, okay, all right. Then the, that, that the, makes sense. The, the, one, the, one, the ones I've heard, the new ones are terrible. But what, yeah. do you, what do you want when he's with the guy from Stuck Bojo? No offense, but... Yeah, it's terrible. Uh, uh, he did no, a great anyway, version of S.O.S. Did you hear that? Say what's that? They did an amazing version of S.O.S., the ABBA song. Oh, I did not hear they that sh- one. They sh- oh, my God, you got to hear it. They should just be a covers band. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it more when they were, because I just... Uh, his, his new music... I, I know he loves metal, dude. He loves metal, but his... His own shit doesn't do shit for me. But, you know, I listened to his podcast, and it was just so bland and vanilla. But then I heard him on an excellent podcast for you listeners who love KISS, History Science Theater, a great pod. I would, I would have to say out of all the other podcasts, they would be the closest to us because they get fucked up and do shit. Uh, I mean, they're strictly KISS. Nothing wrong with that. And they're from Canada, and sure there's something wrong with that, but they're good. But they had Chris Jericho on, and he was drunk and was awesome. So much better than on his podcast. But he does that, you know, he plays the game and he kisses ass, and that's how he gets the interviews. And that's why we don't have the interviews, because we don't kiss the ass. Right. But that might change. That might change. I don't give a sure fuck if it does or not. I would like to, though. I, w- I would like to, but if it doesn't, if it stays like it is right now, I'm fucking happy because we have the greatest, most diehard fans in the fucking world. We have the best page on fucking Facebook. And there might be Facebook pages with bigger numbers, but it don't matter. We have the best, most wildest, craziest Facebook page, you know, on there. So. Yeah, yeah. anybody that doesn't listen to it, I- I'd like to leave a full pond in their chest. Bitch, you might maybe spit out my beer. (laughs) 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 Yeah. All right. So, cheap trick. Yeah, cheap trick. (laughs) Dream police. They Uh, live inside of my head. Where? Where? Are we done? Are we gonna go into the album? Yeah. Fuck. We go wherever. I don't care. All right. You want to take the first song? You want to take? Take the first song. The first song is the title track. It's called, yeah! it's called Dream Police. And uh, here's a little tidbit for you, Ian, since you didn't do your homework. All uh, right. Dream Police was originally recorded for the first album. And Did not know that. I never heard it, though. Uh, but what I have read, it's pretty different than what we know. Um, and, another, and another thing I want to say before I get into the song itself... For anybody that wants to catch a guitar pick for, from Rick Nielsen, here's what you do. When they play Dream Police, stand in the center when he goes up to the mic going, I'm wide awake, they won't let me alone. After he says, you know, Judge and Jerry, all in one, <laughs> he throws a handful of picks to the center. And then he'll go to the right of the stage and throw another handful of picks. You know, he walks over to a box and... So if you want to catch fucking get close enough during Dream Police, you'll for sure. I got a collection from Hal of Rick Nielsen picks. Um, this song is so amazing. It's with all the, the, the strings in it and shit and the flow and, and Robin Zander's voice is like, it's, it's like, it's, it's power pop perfection. If there was 
you know, if you were to compile a list of what are the best power pop bands, dude, nobody comes close to this band. They just nobody. They are just so perfect. I mean, this album is so perfect. This song may be, I mean, out of every song on this album, with the with another one I'll bring up. It, it, it is a tinge played out, a tinge. Not a lot. If it comes on the radio, I'm gonna listen to it. Uh, but I think there's stronger material on this album, but this is a great lead off track. A great title. I love the title, yes. Dream Police. Yes. And I love the and imagery. The, you know, yeah, the, the cover, cover. The cover is amazing. Yeah. The, and, vid- the video is amazing. And if you look at uh, the inside sleeve of the, of the of the album, which I have it on a shirt, where it shows them all holding the badge. Uh, right. Tom Peterson's badge says 714. And I believe Rick Nielsen's badge says 666. But, um, nice. Hail Satan. I, 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 I might be wrong about that, but I'm sure, for sure 714 is on Tom Peterson's badge. And, uh, oh, and the video, man. God, those, you see... Those are the pre-MTV videos are the best, and it's just them playing on some stage. But it shows little, you know, like the album cover. Like when you open up the gatefold, it shows them like a, a lineup of Cheap Trick with the Dream Police standing next to them, and then Cheap Trick sitting down in front of them, and Rick Nielsen's pointing at at himself, like it's him, and that comes to life in the video. Like they show that, and. Uh, I just think this song is fucking great. I think it's it's, it's awesomely done, and and again, those strings really like emphasize it. And uh, I'm sure the version that ended up on uh, the first album was probably raw and shit, but I don't think it would have been as good as this. I love Dream Police. What do you think? Oh man, yeah, no no better song to open up the album than this, and one I never get sick of. Uh, even though I've heard it a million times, you know, it's kind of like, you know, what you said about, uh, uh, you know, Freebird or fucking, uh, well, no, Freebird's a bad example and so is Stairway to Heaven. I would say, I mean, cause I'm the exception though. Everybody's sick of those songs. I'm not. Right. I'm, no, but, but, but you're not. What I'm saying is I'm oh, not okay. the same way. You're not sick of songs that everybody else is sick of. I see what you mean. Black Dog uh, from Zeppelin I'm sick of. But, uh. You know, you know, there are songs that I, you know, Cheap Trick songs that I love and respect, but, like, I never need to hear Surrender or I Want You to Want Me. Unless it's live. And a live setting is different. If I'm actually watching Cheap Trick, I can get into it. But, you know, if it's on the radio or it comes up on my phone, I'm like, ah, oh, skip, skip. But Dream Police, I never get fucking tired of. And, uh, yeah, I mean, not only musically, but, yeah, just lyrically and visually like I always when I hear this song like I see the Dream Police video and I think of Dream Police and you know shit like that and it's fucking awesome dude it's, it's a perfect fucking cheap trick song and it's so wacky and weird and perfect and yeah man great title great album cover great opening track Dream Police across the board Kicks fucking yeah. ass. And for those that right. have heard the song, it's like, ah, I don't like that song. It's like, well, keep listening because the rest of the album is fucking yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. It's your problem, not mine. Exactly. You know, I, I, I'll never forget. Oh, my God. It, it made me, like, seriously, like, 
Oh, like like a little pee dribbled out my piss slit. But uh, <laughs> I saw somebody. They were arguing about the elder on uh, on Bill Wayne's Kiss 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 Hard Rock and Heavy Metal page. Another great page. <laughs> but this guy's like, I love the elder. And the guy wrote back and goes, That's not my problem. <laughs> Ouch. And and I just laugh so fucking hard. But I'm like, and that's how I'm with this, you know. I don't like tea drinks. That's not my problem. That's your problem, asshole. I gotta remember <laughs> you know? that line. Oh, oh, it was the best comeback, and I, I wish I could give. I think his name's Glenn uh, Headstrom or Headstrong. He's got his profile pic. He's never changes like like a like a black metal dude like screaming. Yeah. But it, but I thought it was the most perfect funny comeback for somebody liking something you don't. That's not my problem. <laughs> I love that shit. That Great is awesome. And, and, you can, and, and you can use it the other way around. Like, if you put up something you love and somebody says, oh, that sucks, well, it's not my problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's on you, motherfucker. I like you it. have to answer to David yeah. Lee Roth. I like it used that way. Because I, I do have, I, you know, like, again, I have my flaws. And one of my flaws is I can't. I don't care if people disagree with me, but what really does irk me is if somebody has to leave a comment on something they know I love just to tell me how they don't like it. Like, like you matter. I want feedback yeah. from people that know <laughs> what I'm talking about, people the people that agree as far as musical shit or movies. Like today, and, and I had a similar comment. It's not as funny, but I had a similar comeback to one guy because I went to go see um, uh, Rogue One, the new Star Wars movie. Yeah. And I absolutely yes. loved it. So I went home and I wrote it was awesome and some guy left a comment eh, like EH so then my comeback to him was like you know man it really does <laughs> suck to be disappointed in something but it really does rule to love something so you know in other words I got the upper hand asshole because you didn't like it and I did now if I was to go into a theater and see a movie that sucked then I lose but if I go in there and love the movie, I win. So, fuck that guy. Yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. Cheers. Way to be wine glass half full, my brother. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. All right. So, All right. so what do we got? We got, uh... It's the way... Oh my god, this song and this video. Fucking awesome. I don't think I've seen the video for this. It's it's taped on the same. They made three videos for this album, and all three of them were taped at the same time, but they all have different little scenes in them. And this one, it's so awesome. Rick Nielsen is on a big, like, uh, like he's dressed like the Dream Police. And he's on this big platform, and then there, then the band in, in regular clothes, you could they, they're tiny, they're little people, and the fucking uh, the you know Ricky is pointing at him like the judge, like convicting him, <laughs> like Rrr! and 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 little Rick Nielsen like looks at him and gives him the bird. Yeah, it's just classic. And I remember seeing that shit back on like Don Kirshner's rock concert showed it. I was like, holy fuck, you don't even see the bird today on TV. You know, it was crazy, right? I don't know why, but as soon as you said 
Uh, I started thinking about Short People by Randy Newman. There you go, yeah. But yeah, it's classic. You gotta see that video. It's fucking great. <laughs> they got little tiny cars that go beep, beep, beep. <laughs> I remember that I song. That song got a lot of controversy from little people. But oh, yeah. Little people complain about anything anyway. And, and, and yeah, look, and, and it's not like I'm going to say no offense, little people. Why would I say that if you little people know I'm right? I mean, you're getting you're getting upset right now. Hey, you know what I love about little people? They all look up to me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I want to <laughs> I want to tell you a funny story. And of course, this guy would never listen to my podcast. There's an actual uh, politically correct correct term dwarf that goes to metal yeah. shows. And boy, I mean, he doesn't see shows, though. I mean, come on. He goes there. I don't, I don't even know why he goes to shows, to tell you the truth. What's the point? Unless you get on the balcony. And even if you get on the balcony, you better be up against the balcony. And somebody's got to lift you up. Anyway, this guy, this is the funniest shit ever. I would, I would, I would put a dwarf on my shoulders at a metal show. <laughs> that, that, that's kind of metal, you know. Especially if we're sabotage. You're like, yeah, hold him out kick. I got him right here. Well, this, this guy is the most, on Facebook, the most fucking anal dude I've ever met in my life. He's complaining, <laughs> even when, dude, he, said, he he made a review of the new Metallica. And he actually right. said, he actually said nice things about it, but how does he end his review? Yeah, it's a good album and all, but you know, they, they, they've done so much shit that fuck them. It's like, I can't, I still can't forgive them, even if the album's good. It's like, dude, there, nothing's positive in your life. But I just want to bring up, this is the funny, probably the funniest shit I ever saw on Facebook. He took a picture on the 70 Tons crew with, uh, I think it was the guy, uh, the guy from Destruction, I could be wrong, uh, Angel Ripper and, and Millie. So he's, he's in the middle, and here's these two big dudes, and he's like in the middle, and this dude left a comment, two and a half men. <laughs> and he replied, fuck you! Two and a half men! But way in the world. At least their uh, knees won't hurt when they give you a head. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to put a fucking pillow on the floor to get, you know, to get that. They could just yeah. stand there. But you can never, you know, you can never borrow money from a midget chick. Because they're always a little short. <laughs> but I'm <pee. laughs> I, I, I know a lot of you midgets didn't get that joke. It was probably over your head. Ow. But anyway. <laughs> Full of zingers today, dude. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No. Ho-hos. Uh, but I, I, I love midgets, and I love Way of the World. Oh, man. What a fucking, you know, that's just cheap trick uh, by the numbers. But when I say by the numbers, it's no way taken away from the, you know, how great the song is. It's just... It, it's everything you've heard already from Cheap Trick, but uh, everything on this album, you know, is what you've heard in the past, but just refined a little bit. And I think this is the best production that Tom Worman ever did in his life. Uh, because the production on this is flawless. And everybody works with the bitches about the guy. The only thing I can think of is he must be a total prick. You know, and, and that's why people say all the mean things, because this guy produced so many amazing albums, yet all the artists who work with him bitch about him. It's, oh, he neutered this, he neutered that. I don't know, to my ears, it sounds pretty fucking good. 
you know, and uh, Way of the World, you know, it just, I love the way it goes from dreamy to just like, you know, remember, you know, in that chugging fucking riff, you know, it's just, fuck, I love this shit, Way of the World kicks ass. I don't know, man. Well, no, I haven't talked about it. And I don't even even know if this is the best song on the album, because there's another one that's so good that... Well, no, I I wouldn't say... No, I didn't say best song. No, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm talking to myself, I'm saying, I don't know if this is the best song on the album, it's tied, because this is like such a... It's up there, you know? It it, it flip-flops. This one and other ones is the best song on the album. But uh, I, I could be wrong on this, but I think this is the only song on the album that Robin Zander had any writing credit on. He, co- uh, he co-wrote it with no, Rick no. Nielsen. Uh, uh, no, there, there's two songs he has writing credits on, but this is the only one that's him and Nielsen together. The other song is the whole band. Oh, okay. You know, here's another tidbit about the song, Ian. Um, yes, sir. It used to be called See Me Now. And it was sung oh. by Rick Nielsen. Uh, I've never heard it though, but yeah, that's uh, this song was originally called "See Me Now." And it was a song Rick, uh, Rick Nielsen sang. And here's the thing that uh, this song eludes me for some reason. I saw it on the Dream Police tour, but they stopped. It, it, it hasn't been played since. But in the past, like I don't know, five to ten years, it shows up on set lists all the time. Because, you know, I keep up, you know, with Cheap Trick set list. Every, you know, I'm part of this group yeah. that, oh, I saw Cheap Trick, and here's the set list. And I always have to look at it because Cheap Trick right. always switches it around. And I see Way of the World show up on, you know, various set lists. I'm like, whoa, dude, they're playing that song again. Dude, every fucking time Cheap Trick plays South Florida, it's never on the fucking set list. Uh, and I saw... But, uh, well, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, that's something very important to mention about Cheap Trick and something I really respect in artists is Cheap Trick changes up the set list. Oh, yeah. Like, every, every fucking night, you know? And there's some, like, you know, okay, a lot of you listeners might not like, I know, you know, a couple of you don't like, but people like Bruce Springsteen, uh, Neil Young, Jethro Toll was another one. Pearl Jam. You, you know, yeah, every night, they just decide before they go on. And probably sometimes while they're on stage. And I respect that so much. And I saw like a, a lame, uh, excuse, well, I kind of see it in one way, but in another way, it's like, oh, fuck you. You're just lazy. But I saw like uh, Death Leopard and Kiss, like, well, we can't change up the set list because we have pyro and choreography and we don't want anybody to get hurt. But I really think it's just laziness. Uh, you know, and I, I love, especially in this day and age, when you can go on setlistfm.com and look up the setlist for any tour, but if it's a band that constantly changes, you still don't know. You know, there might be a core set of songs, yeah, you know you're going to hear that, but there were so many surprises, you know? No, Cheap Trick, I don't think I've ever been to a Cheap Trick show where they don't surprise me with some song they play. Always. Oh, yeah. yeah. Always. I, 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 I agree. And I, I love how they let... Uh, uh, twice, I believe, they let Eddie Trunk, like it was shows where Eddie Trunk was introducing, and they let him uh, pick the set list. And, and my dream, my dream is, you know, like if I win the lottery, I would love to have Cheap Trick play the club that I took you to when I jacks here in New Orleans. Yeah. And, and, and like pick, you know, get Cheap Trick to play my birthday, 
and pick the set list. And I know the owner of, uh, well, one of the owners of, of One Eye Jacks, Rio Hackford, Taylor Hackford's son, uh, is a is a huge Cheap Trick fan. And I kept I keep asking him every time, like, why do you never have Cheap Trick here? And he's like, dude, he goes, we can't afford them. Because even though they play club, I mean, they do charge like a heavy, uh, a heavy fee. And uh, but man, that that's my dream to have them. And of course, I would fly you in. Well, if you, you know, fly but me, I, if you fly me in, you have to tell them they got to open the show at Way of the World and close it with Way of the World. Yeah, I I can do that. I yeah. can do that because I won the lotto. Hell yeah, man! I I gotta see them play this again. I mean, I saw them play like on that tour, but you know, goddamn, yeah. that's. Yeah. That was 1980, yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's 37 years ago. Now. I, I never saw him play this. Yeah, but yeah. the good thing, though, is, uh, you know, even if I don't win the lottery, uh, I do, my buddy's uh, wife is good friends with Tom Peterson and Rick Neal. Well, not good, but every time they come into New Orleans, they go see her. Uh, and where she works, she works at this, like, it's a world-famous candy store. Yeah, I heard it and, yeah, yeah, and they always stop there, and, uh, you know, that's how I got to talk to them the last time they were in town. And, uh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Play the world. I'll bring that up. Yeah, I love this fucking song, and uh, I love, like, the, the intro. Like, Robin Sanders' voice is almost operatic. It's the way! And then he goes into that snotty, rocking, you at work, and then Friday at 5, and you listen to this guy sing these songs, and, you know, all I can think about is the mind of Rick Nielsen. You know, <laughs> you know, it's such a Rick Nielsen uh, uh, wordsmith because all a lot of Rick Nielsen lyrics, it sounds like the guy's a fucking stalker. You know, it's eerie, like "Hello, how are you?" You know that 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 kind of creepiness to you know, it's kind of like, "All right, I, I love you, you're beautiful, baby," and I'm looking at you through a, through the fucking through your fucking drapes from a tree nearby with binoculars. But, uh, yeah, uh, what a rocking song. Yeah, it's probably my favorite track. Uh, fuck it, it is my favorite track. When I get to that wow. other song, when uh, I get to that other song, I'm gonna have to fucking deny it. But this is my favorite track on the album. It's just, and it's beautiful. Again, you hear like the strings, and, and I love the melody at the end. With, I've been running. While, while Robin's singing, you know, yeah. it's the way of the world. This song is kind of like Top of the World Part Two to me. Yeah, and, and again, you know, it's like, uh, like I said, you can pinpoint to the first three albums and, and say that they took all the best parts and put it on this. Way of the World sounds very much to me like it could have came off of Heaven Tonight. Yes. It, it's got a very... Heaven tonight feel. Yeah, that, the melodic backing vocal things, you know. Yes, yes. It's yes. just a Great beautiful track. fucking song. Take the next one. All right. Well, this is one <laughs> that I I was uh, bless you. Thank you. Uh, that I was so happy that they played the last time I saw Cheap Trick. Hopefully, it's not the last, but the last time that I saw them. And that is the house is rocking with domestic problems. Woo. Uh, this one written with. Uh, Rick Nielsen and Tom Peterson and I fucking love this song and my favorite part and please back me up here heavy heavy trouble heavy yeah the house is <laughs> rocking and I got going 
can't find the house rocket and I gotta go. That shit rules, man. <laughs> oh my god, dude. When they do that, you know, the heavy on top of each other, and it's a very, like, very Beatle esque, and, like, it reminds you of, you know, uh, so heavy, but much faster, yeah. you know, and much more hard rocking, but you know where they got it from. Uh, amazing. And, and just the title alone, The House is Rocking with Domestic Problems. Is this a white media can, tune? Yeah, yeah but, but you you can interpret it so many ways, and that's what I love about it. Even the title makes me think, what's happened? Is somebody getting beat? Is somebody getting molested? Yeah. Does somebody drink too much? Is, is somebody at Childers? You know, there's so much shit that you can get from just the title alone. But it's so, like, fucking hard rocking. Yeah. And Probably one of their heaviest this, tunes. Oh, yeah. Heavy! Yeah. That <laughs> but, riff. you know, it, it's one of those ones for those people who, like, you know, complain about Cheater. And I've, I've seen it before when we put up, uh, you know, Cheap Trick episodes. Uh, people on the Facebook page like, ah, I can never get into Cheap Trick. You know, they're, you know, too light for me. You know, and that's because you know what's on the radio. If you took the time to hear other Cheap Trick songs, you would realize shit like the house is rocking with domestic problems. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, you wouldn't like just write them off like that. But, you know, you, you know, you can't always lick the frosting. Sometimes you got to eat the fucking cake, man. Check out these fucking albums and check out deep cuts just like any other band. You, you know, check out the deep cuts. They're always more satisfying in the long run than the singles. I mean, sometimes there's that single that's just so fucking good you can't get enough of it. But nine times out of ten, it's the deep cut that keeps you coming back for more. You know, and, and with any album that I love, there's that one song that pulls you in, but by the end of it, you know, say a year's past, it's that other song that keeps you coming back for more. And this is a prime example of that. This is the type of track that keeps you coming back to Dream Police. Love it. What do you think, Ralph? It is such a fun, infectious hard rock tune, though. This, I mean, yeah, man. If you like hard hard rock and you, you don't like Cheap Trick, you, you, you will wake up. This is a song I would point somebody to. That's into, like, you know, old Aerosmith. You know, it doesn't sound like it. But, well, yeah, it's kind of got, like, that. That's such a great riff, you know. And then it goes into that, you know. And Robin Zander with his chameleon voice. He's like, have it. Can't find the words because it's so damn tough. And then he goes into, I know, you know. Something's wrong and I gotta go home. It's like, yeah. he knows, she knows. Shut all the doors and lock all the windows. Yeah. It's so fucking Fuck cool. Hey, dude. Fucking hey, I love that song. It's dude. so cool. Like, just the, the lyrics, the way Robin delivers it, the band, the, the, the music that's going on during it, that, that hard rocking shit, and the great solos. Rick Nielsen is so good. I mean, he's not no shredder, but what he does, it fits perfectly. You put Inve oh, on the song, yeah. he'd ruin it. You know? It's just... Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, man. It is such a great fucking song. And like you were saying, oh, I saw them play it. Well, you saw something very rare because I saw Cheap Trick only play this song twice. I saw them play it at uh, the Dream Police tour, obviously. But then... 
like I like what we were talking about earlier, they throw all those surprises. They played this song at a at a, a free show at a horse track. Down oh here. god! When I saw him, it was a free show for some like uh, some college. Uh, I can't remember if it was a basketball game or a football game, but uh, it was it was them and uh, was it Cool in the Gang? Yeah, them and Cool in the Gang. That's hey, awesome. Imagine that shit. And uh, they were supposed to play. There's this area here called Championship Square in New Orleans. That's like in between. Uh, you know, you know the stadium where the Saints play and the arena where the uh, Pelicans play. There's a place where they set up a stage outside, but because the weather was supposed to be so bad, they moved them into the arena where the basketball team plays, and it was fucking. I mean, it was just awesome. You know, and it was it was weird though because like a lot of the people there, you could tell were just like hillbillies from like I think it was like Mississippi against Alabama. You know, so it was a bunch of fucking yellow hammers there just, you know, for a party. But there was a certain, you know, you could tell the different patches that were real fucking, you know, cheap trick fans that came out for that because it was free, dude. And it was it was amazing. And, and this was one of those songs where I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe they just whipped this one out, you know. Yeah, was, that's, at that horse track, this was like 20, uh, it was like either... Early 2000s or late 2000s, and when they pulled this one out yeah. that day, I was like, "Holy fuck, they're playing this!" But you know, they, but I always, oh, yeah. say, I always say that it shows, like, "Oh my god, they're playing this!" Like they play Taxman here and there, but House is Rockin' was like more of a serious shock. I was like, yeah. "Wow!" Oh my god, if they played Taxman, I would lose my fucking. Yeah, shit I've here. seen them play Taxman more than a few times. I've been, oh wow, I've been lucky, to, like. The first time I saw it, I was like, wow. And then I saw them like four or five times after that. They didn't play, and then they threw it out again. I was like, wow. I remember they played it. Um, the first time I saw them play it was uh, that incredible 96 album. Or was it 97? The self-titled. Right. That tour, they fucking threw out that tour. I was like, fuck yeah. I mean, that's the thing that's so awesome about them, too, is when you go see them live, you never know. I mean, could you imagine like going to a, a Kiss show? And all of a sudden they play uh, uh, Saint or Sinner off of Creatures, you know, or, or go into a fucking pre-show and they pull out Saints in Hell. You know, just something like, like whoa, where'd right. this come from? Yeah. You know, Cheap Trick is that band that if you love them, no matter what, you will be surprised. And another thing I really love about them is nine times out of ten, they will open up with, I want you to want me. What? And get it out. Oh, I've... I, I, most times I've seen them, they've opened up with that and got out of the way. I don't think I've ever seen them open with that song. I've seen it be early in the set list, but I've never seen them open with it. That's oh, weird. I've seen them open a couple times. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's odd. And I loved it. Yeah. I, I've never seen but them But I, I respect that. Like, like, okay, okay, let's get the fake motherfuckers out of here. And now for you people that truly want a good, you know, cheap trick show, here you go. Wow. That is yeah. interesting. Wow. I did not oh, and, and, and I loved it because not only is it a great way, I mean, in a way, it's a great way to start the show because it gets everybody involved. Well, you know even what? The You're right. I did. And the fake fans. I did see them. Now that I think about it, they opened uh, when they opened the Generation Swine tour. They opened oh, with "I Want You to Want Me." You're right. You're yeah, right. I do remember that. Now. But I like that. Like, okay, if you want to, you know, you know, you want to piss, or everybody, check this out. If you want to go piss 
let all the real Cheap Trick fans get all the way to the front and let's party. Oh, know? man, speaking of that, I got to bring up this story. When I saw Cheap Trick, I saw Cheap Trick, I think it was like maybe two, three years ago in West Palm Beach. It was a big festival. They were headlining it. A free festival. No, I don't think it was a free festival, whatever. Oh, yeah. It's called Sunfest. Right. And I'm all the way up front. That was a smoking set list. They did like TV violence that night. And a couple other things. I had to take a piss so bad that I didn't want to leave. And I was right against the barricade. I just whipped it out and peed right there in the show. Been, been there. Been there. Yeah, I peed right there in front of, in front of the, the security guards were there. And they didn't even notice. I was like, I hope they don't find me. But I, cause <laughs> I was all the way up front at a festival. And I knew if I was going to leave... I was gonna lose my spot. Yeah, you'd never get back there. So I was like, fuck <laughs> it, man. I'm taking a piss right here. And uh, yeah, man. So yeah, way <laughs> in the world. All right, I'll take the next one. Which, uh, yeah, I struggle with it's, you know, as, uh, as the favorite song on the album, but fuck it, man. I'm still, I'm sticking to my guns. Way of the world is the favorite song, but boy, this one's a close second. The epic. Gonna Raise Hell, originally a four-minute song that was extended into this disco remix shit that happens toward the end. Right. And, uh, you know, type of disco vibe that it fits perfectly. It fits as perfect as as like your mom at a gangbang that ends with a circle jerk than the golden showers. Hello. Yeah. Uh, to cap it off, man. But uh, hey, speaking of mothers, let me let me say something interesting about this song. You know, in the middle section of the song, when Robin's screaming "mother" and he's doing it like crazy, like he's screaming "mother," at the very moment I read this shit, at the very moment Robin Zander was screaming "mother" in the studio, at that very moment, Jim Jones was saying. Mother, mother, like when the moms didn't want the babies to drink the, the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Mother, please, mother, please. At that very moment, that was that shit was happening simultaneously. Is that eerie, man? Wow. That is eerie. That, it, I mean, right at the same fucking time. That shows you how long ago they, they recorded this shit before it was released. It's a good year. But, uh, yeah, that's the eerie thing about it. Oh, my God. And if you want to see... One of probably the greatest cheap trick video ever made. Check out uh, my fucking video for Gonna Raise Hell. That video took me forever to make because it's eight minutes or however long of this of every fucking cheap trick like image you can think of. Like I use like just seconds of all this like live footage, video footage. All. Dude, everybody that's seen, have you seen the video? I don't know if you have yet. I haven't seen it yet. Everybody that has seen this video, they all freak out. They're, oh my god, this is the most insane fucking cheap trick video ever made. I really took my time, my sweet ass time making this. And you know, I also have footage of them actually singing a song. So it's like I have them lip singing it, but then I have all this other imagery. And you know, you see everything from the first album to wherever year I made that video. I, I used the whole history of cheap trick and I made sure to cut John Bryan out of it everywhere. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, because John Bryan didn't play on it. And Pete Comita. But, um, yeah, dude. Uh, a perfect fucking song. And I do love how it does go into that weird string section toward the end. And, you know, it's an instrumental, really. You know, when, you know, gonna raise hell at the end. And when Robin stops, and it's like that, that eerie vibe where 
it's only bunny and then the bass and then you hear that the guitar is kind of like feeding back a little bit like getting ready to jam and he's got that weird sound like and then it goes into that whole thing fuck what what a perfect song god damn it all right way of the world's the best song uh uh I don't know. I don't know what the best song of the album is, but this would be the epic of the album, and oh, that's yeah. for sure. Like, you and, know, it's, this would and, be... and it's not the only epic on the album, though. No, no, but th this would be like uh, the the stargazer or the light in the black, if you will. You know, um, you know, amazing. And there is a lot of interpretations of what's about. Some people said it was written about the Jonestown massacre. And, uh, you know, some people said it was claimed to be about having a good time despite, you know, apathy in the world. Like, you know, we can't change anything, but we're going to raise some hell. Um, and, yeah, it, it, uh, you know, reading, reading up on it right now, it was changed from a five-minute song to, like, a nine-minute song to incorporate the disco aspect. You know, and that could have been, I mean, you've got to look at what some rockers were doing around 78, 79 with disco. I mean, you had the Stones with Miss You that was incredibly huge. Uh, probably almost just as big, if not bigger, was Rod Stewart, you know, Don't Don't You Think I'm Sexy. And then Kiss, of course, with I Was Made For uh, Loving You. Uh, but this, this song is just so, so fucking epic, you know, and it, it, it's tied with, uh, you know, the second best musical moment of my entire life. You know, if you're, if you're lucky, you know, you have those moments where you, you hear something and, you know, you could be in an old folks home with Alzheimer's and remember when you heard this song and how it hit you. And I have two like that. Led Zeppelin's Over the Hill and Far Away. I'll never forget the first time I heard that, and it was a fucking total eargasm. And then there was Gonna Raise Hell. And I went to my buddy Roman Baird's house, who not only was my friend, but my pot dealer. And I got pretty fucking high, and I'm not going to recommend this uh, to people. You know, I'm not recommending doing drugs and driving, because that can end very, very, very bad, not only for you, but for other people. So I'm not recommending but I am recommending that you get really high and let a straight person drive you while you listen to this song. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I got high as fuck, left my dealer's house, and went to the... I remember going to the video store. And uh, for my friends back home, like my, my growing up friends will remember this, uh, I was on Kennedy Drive. I pulled into Video Review, which was a cool video store. This is still when everything was VHS. And uh, you go in there, and they had, like, the Tron, like, the stand-up video game. Sometimes we get high, go to this video store, and just play Tron on an actual stand-up video game. Kids today have no idea what those are, but we do. Uh, but anyway, I, I, you know, I got really high, left, grabbed some movies, and I'm listening to a classic rock station in Chicago, and this song comes on. And it, it like, it put me in a trance. I mean... Just that. You know, and it's just, it is so hypnotic. And it's one of those things where, like, I'm driving home, but it's like you could, you could turn left and go home, 
or you can turn right and go on a fucking journey. You know, it's like one of those books, like, choose your own adventure, choose your own ending. And that's what this was. Like, I, I knew I should probably get home because I was so fucking high. Well, but this song was so fucking amazing, I turned right and just went on a drive and had to fucking hear it. And it, w- it was like a religious experiment uh, experience, only this is real. And man, I'll, I'll just, I'll never, uh, I'll never forget it, even though I'll never relive that moment. Like, it'll never have the same impact, but anytime I hear this, I remember that, and it takes me right back to it, and I just, um, I wish I could experience shit like that again, you know, and, and, and it's so hard, and unfortunately there's not a lot of new music that moves me that way or gives me that feeling, but uh, I, I get excited for younger kids, you know, like like when I see videos by uh, Alvin Flipson and stuff, and I see how excited he gets over shit that I've heard a million times, but... Like, I'll never get to go hear shit for the first time again like that. And I'll never get another first time hearing Gonna Raise Hell. But that was the reason, like, the next day I went to Chicago Records and, and bought, you know, this album. You know, because I had to hear it again. And it is, uh, it's the epic of the album. There is, you're right, there is another epic, but this is the epic. And I've never seen him play this live. Unfortunately. What? Really? Yep. Never yeah, seen yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it is one of those, oh shit, they're going to play it because it's not one that they bring out much. But you know, uh, back in the early 80s, it was on every tour up to, I think uh, they dropped it finally on Stand on the Edge. But it was, they did play it on One on One, on Next Position, Please. And, well, that's it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Three tours. It, it lasted three tours. But, I did see them play this again at that same show that they played Taxman. Wow. And I saw them, and then there was a time they played a free show at a Hard Rock, uh, Hard Rock Cafe, and a small little cafe, and, uh, they, and yeah, it was, yeah, a fun, and old oh man, live? Whew. You know, it's just amazing to watch Robin Zander, like the part I'm talking about, where he's screaming mother, to see him do that live, because he, he doesn't hold back then. You know, most singers will be like, all right, because Robin Zander's screaming his ass off, man. I mean, he hits all these high notes and screams like, ah, you know, toward the end. And uh, he doesn't shy from that when he plays it live. He does it just like it is on the record. You fucking freak of nature. He really is. Guy's fucking God. My favorite nice. singer of all time. I know I've said it a million times, but I'll say it a million more times. And the only person I ever met in a band where I was actually nervous. Wow. And I mean, I, I met Ozzy Dio, and I, and I go up to hey, Ozzy, yeah. Robin's in, I'm like, can you sign this, please? Bizarre. And I, yeah. only, and I only met Robin Zander once. I, I, I didn't get to meet, he was very standoffish when I got to talk to the rest of the band. Really? Because, so. I mean, yeah. the footage I've seen, he seems like such, such a good guy to the band. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just, maybe it was one uh, of those days. Yeah, could have, could have been. You know, maybe you saw your mom or something. Hey, there you go. But like I said, you know, Rick Nielsen was like a dick to me at first, and then was really cool. You know, and Tom Peterson was awesome. Yeah. And Bunny Collins is a complete dick. See, I, I didn't get to see Bunny. He's a complete dick. 
I mean, I saw them with Bunny that day, but he wasn't out walking around with the rest of them. Yeah. Yeah. Rick Nelson's hitting this. I met him when he was a total dick. And I yeah. met him when he wasn't really the nicest guy, but he wasn't a dick either. Right. Uh, all right, man. You want to flip this fucker over? Let's do it. All right. Side two starts with a song called Tonight, right? Or fuck. I, I'll, I'll be with I'll you I'll be tonight. with you tonight. Now, Tom Warman produced this album, and it, it's very coincidental that, uh, I, you know, I always think of this when I think of this song. Um, Motley Crue's Theater of Pain. Side two starts with a song called I Need a Lover Tonight, where they say tonight a lot in that Motley Crue song. Well, they say tonight a lot on this song. So I don't know That's if Tom true. Warman has to do something with this, you know, uh, the structure or whatever. But um, this is a song that uh, was originally called Hot Tomato. But Hot Tomato is half this song and half of uh, Taking Me Back from Heaven Tonight. Okay. They like, you know, they they mesh both songs in Hot Tomato where uh, later on they just took out bits for Taking, uh, taking me back, adding stuff. And they did the same thing with this. And um, I, I, this song's great. I love this song. And and one thing that's very wild, every time I hear this song, I think of Gene Simmons. Because there's, <laughs> there's a line in the song where he goes, why do you have to be so right for me? When he says me, it sounds like, did Gene Simmons go to the studio? Listen to that again. It's identical. It sounds like Gene Simmons. Why? Oh yeah. Why you have to be so right for me? The me part, which I'm gonna edit that part and put it in this episode so people can hear what I'm talking. Why'd you have to be so right for me? I'll be with you tonight, dude. This uh, this just reminds me of being a teenager and trying to get laid, you know, and the 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 angst uh, and the. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Anticipation of getting laid. Because I, I I don't know how many how many nights there were as a teenager. Like you anticipate getting laid, <laughs> yeah. but it doesn't actually happen. But then there's the nights it does. And 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 this song just every time I hear it, I just you know think about like being a little finger banging teenager. <laughs> you know, like yeah. like like I know I'm gonna get some stink finger, but hopefully I get like some stinky dick too. And, uh, man, it's just, it's a great rockin' Cheap Trick song. Uh, never heard it live. Uh, would love to. This, this is one, man, like, if I could see them do, I don't know, man, that, that, that's, that's a hard task. Like, if they were gonna play a whole album live, you know, between the first album and Color and this one, and, you know, even Heaven, I don't know, man, it'd be a hard one, but, uh, I'd love to hear something like this absolutely amazing but uh you know you said a lot about it there's not much i can say but uh it's a horny song but the next one to me is one of the most beautiful songs ever written and uh that's voices written by rick nielsen originally recorded with tom peterson singing lead vocals that is true and uh, I can't imagine what that would sound like, even though I, I do like Rick Peterson's vocals. Uh, I mean, uh, Rick, uh, Tom you, Peterson's you vocals. Tom Nielsen. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 
I can't imagine anybody but Robin Zander uh, singing this. Uh, amazing. And and something I didn't know till I was doing a little research today was Steve Luthaker from Toto plays lead and acoustic guitar okay, on Okay, see, that I didn't know. He was credited as guitar player, but I did not... Yeah. I, I wasn't was, sure if he did the solo because the solo sounds like Rick Nielsen to me. Yeah, he was uncredited as far as, like, you know, what song. But, yeah, this is this is Steve Luthaker. And and it's just amazing. And the vocals, there was, like, six or seven vocal tracks all layered in to make this, which, uh, you know, they say make, makes it impossible to, like, totally reproduce live. But, man... What an amazing, beautiful love song. I mean, this is, I don't care if you're a dude or a chick, this is just a gorgeous fucking love song. I mean, I mean absolutely, probably could be uh, my favorite uh, Cheat Trick love song. And they do them very well. I mean, uh, you know, another one, uh, what's the one off of uh, All Shook Up? Um, World's Greatest Love. Yeah, yeah. Oh, amazing song. You know, and then there's, you know, there's stuff like Mandicello that is amazing. Uh, can't hold on. Oh, oh, shit, shit. Can't can't hold on is in my top three all-time fucking favorite Cheap Trick songs. I was gonna bring that up later, but now that you brought it up, uh, for those of you who may or may not know. You could only get that originally on the Found All the Parts EP, but if you get the uh, At Budokan, the complete concert, it's on there. Uh, I, and that's the only way I can listen to uh, Budokan, is the complete concert. Um, because that that's the first version I ever bought, actually. I, I really love the, 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 the edited one, though, man. It's very special to me. Well, well no, I, I, I get that because that's what you grow, and I totally understand that. But, but see, I'm on the opposite side. Is I never bought that. I bought, like, when I was really getting into Cheap Trick is when they put out the complete concert. So that's the one I got. So I was used to, like, the whole concert and, and can't hold on. It was just like, oh, my God. And, and for any of you listeners who, you know, if you've stuck around this long, obviously you're interested in Cheap Trick or at least our, you know, midget jokes. Uh, you know, you know, pause it. Go on YouTube, fucking scroll up, Cheap Trick Can't Hold On. I made a video for it, actually. So oh, on. you did? Yeah. You did? Ooh, I gotta see that. I gotta see that. Um, amazing. But, I mean, back to voices. It's just, uh, it, it, it's beautiful. I mean, it is really like a flawless, perfect love song. Uh, not only musically, but lyrically, it is so Beatlesque, so... You know, but the, the, at the same time, I can see people who don't like the Beatles still loving it. I mean, because it is just a perfect song, but you can tell where inspiration, you know, it was rooted. And uh, I, I can't say enough good about it, but I'd love to hear your take on it. What do you think of Voices? Fucking gorgeous, man. And, uh, you know, I get chills. Uh, there's a certain part of the song that always gives me chills is the part where... It builds up, or he goes, oh, "Your voices, your voices," and then the part that gets me chills. It was all that I, I needed to 
All that I needed to. All oh. that I needed. Right there. When it goes back into you didn't know what you were looking for, it always gives me chills. It's oh. just so beautifully orchestrated in the build up. And uh, Robin Zander's angelic voice, like, hey, it's me again. Uh, oh. This is the third video they made for that album, by the way. Right. Uh, yeah, it's it's just a gorgeous, perfect song, which really flopped as a single. Because I do remember this on the radio back then. Short, right. Short-lived, and it blew my mind, because I figured it, this was going to be a huge hit. It, it made it to number 32. Well I, well, I know, I mean, rock radio down here, it did show up on rock radio back then. I right. remember they would play it, but it wasn't played much. It just like came and went, like a whimper, where, you know, Dream Police was constantly on the radio back then. But, oh my God. And speaking of ballad, we were talking about ballad, another incredible ballad, you were bringing up, uh, Found All the Parts is Take Me, I'm Yours. It is such a great yeah beautifully orchestrated song and um uh which was a song that they would play live in the club days because i actually have a bootleg of them actually playing take me on yours in the club day. i could be wrong and, but i think vince and, is an old is an older song as well and, and and check this out this is uh you know and i'm gonna get to this when we sum the album i'm gonna talk about some reviews for this album but uh david marsh uh, uh, a reviewer for Rolling Stone. Oh God, I'm sure it sucks, right? Described this song as disastrous and called it a ballad from a band that has absolutely no facility for ballads. Yeah. Oh, there you go. And I'm like, I'm like, real. To, to me, uh, you know, with Robin Zander's voice, they're a band that can do ballads like no other. I mean, actually, they can do any song like no other with that voice. Yeah. But, uh, but I mean, you, you know as a fellow Cheat Trick fan like me, they can take something like The Flame, which in anybody else's hands would be like a, a Taylor Dane song. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they, they took it and they made chicken salad out of chicken shit. Yep, and, and, and that song is completely Robin Zander. That's what to me makes the place great. Oh yeah, Zander. oh oh, those vocals are, are incredible. But to say this is a band that has, you know, no idea how to do a ballad, you're absolutely clueless to this band. Well, well, in his defense, I mean, uh, he does work for Rolling Stone magazine. I mean, you have right. to be clueless to work for. It. Right. If, right. He, if if the guy said it was a great song, they'd fire him. Oh, what the hell? Get out of here. How dare you like good music? But, but what, I, what I love is, you know, there's also somebody that uh, maybe it's because uh, I believe he has excellent taste in music. Uh, uh, another uh, guy who reviewed this song said, another sure shot of a slow one with a tune that raises goosebumps 25 years after its release. There you the, go. The original Simply Kills and Xander... And he says, has Xander ever sunk better? You know, and that, that to me, is somebody who gets Cheap Trick and gets this song. No, you know? Robin Xander has never sunk better than the song, but you know what? He's sunk just as good on many other ones. Right, but you know, you know what I'm saying, though? And, and, and it is, and you have to give, you have to give credit to Tom Warman. Who got oh, this performance out of him yeah. and the layers? Like I said, it's like six or seven vocal layers 
that you hear on the studio version, uh, you know, to create what I I truly feel is a masterpiece. Yes. I, I, I mean, Voices is just, oh man, on every level it, it succeeds. I'm, on, on vocally, musicianship, songwriting, just basic songwriting it, it is perfect, incredible. And, and and that that a song like this really didn't put them over the top? Like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. I mean, and, and, you, and you see this a lot of times with bands. Uh, you know, especially uh, you hear people talk about, like, maybe... Uh, cock rock bands or whatever that released some stuff in the 90s and said oh if this came out in the 80s it would have pushed them over you know and that's that's how I feel about this song it's like how did this song not like push them across the board to where like everybody no matter what you were into realized the beauty of, of, of Cheap Trick you know and it's just it, it's a fucking shame dude it is a fan the, favorite and it is performed a lot live yeah, but 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 one thing you'll have to agree, and I've heard this live, and it was amazing, but nothing comes close to like if you know this is some headphone shit. Like smoke a big doobie, listen to this, and you know grab some booby next to you. I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah, some bags of sand. Yes. Man. But enough about Mark Allen Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Gorgeous song. Like I, well, I think I already talked. It gave me chills. And yeah. I mean, I, every, everything I interjected while you were talking is pretty much how I feel about this song. It's perfect. It is a perfect ballad. It is like a power ballad. You know, right. it, it does have all the structures of what Air Bams did later. Just, oh, it, just not it, as good. It, well, and, and like you, like you said, that build up. Yeah. You know that that, that like. Your you know, and then it slowly builds up, and then just like bam, like the wave cracks on the shore. Yeah. You know, it's just like, you know, it's just ah, oh, man, you know, perfection. It, it, it is like you know, it's magical. It's like this band was magic to me. I mean, it's like holy fuck, talk about ear candy, man. I mean, maybe oh. maybe because of listening to Dream Police so much, maybe that's how I got diabetes. It could be. You know, it's just so it, it, fucking amazing. I it, love it. You know, and, and a band, you know, it's kind of like, I can kind of say they're the same, even though I know you'll get the analogy, but maybe a lot of other people won't. I almost see them as like, almost like ELO. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, yeah, all, yeah. it's, it's like amazing precision songwriting right. that... You know, you know, and EL, even though ELO probably was bigger at their peak than than Cheap Trick, but it, it's one of those things where it's like it's just so precise and on the money. Yet, of course, they are sons of the Beatles, you know. But it's like that catchy, perfect songwriting. You know, Jeff Lynne and Rick Nielsen, in my mind, are are of the same cloth. Right. You know. <clears throat> the thing, I think what, what separates them from ELO, which Rick Nielsen has gone on record saying he was a huge ELO fan, and the song uh, Top of the World was very, uh, Tom Orman said in an interview that, you know, that's all Rick was listening to at that time was uh, ELO, so you can tell it came in. But I think the difference between Cheap Trick and ELO is that ELO was, uh, and boy, I'm a huge ELO fan. 
one of my favorite bands actually from when right. I was a little kid. It's so precise and the precision of ELO is just so on the money. Where Cheap Trick is as well, but it also has that element of looseness. Dirt. Yeah. Like a loose yeah. element to it, you know? They're, they're like a garage ELO. Yeah, you it's know? Like, yeah, it's you like, know? you know. It's, they've got grease under their fingers. Exactly. They're, they're, yeah, it's a great way of putting it. A garage band uh, ELO. You know? Right. Uh, and voices is yeah very close to like an ELO type thing, but uh, it does have that looseness, you know. But it is precise. It's a, it's weird to explain because it's something so precise, but you get a little bit of a loose vibe to right. precision, and that's very rare. You know, you don't really get that from. Yeah. Just amazing. All right, next song: "Writing on the World," "Writing on the Wall." All yeah, right, I saw the writing. I saw the writing on the wall. Lo and behold, heard it on the radio. Oh my God, I love this fucking song. It's hard to pick a least favorite song out here, isn't it? It, uh, it, it is. I would say, I mean, I'll say it at the end of, of this. My least favorite song has already come up, uh -huh. but I love every fucking song on this and. Uh, you know, I'm gonna let you go in there, but one thing I want to say is the impact of this song coming after Voices is like, what a dropkick to the fucking chin. Yeah. You know? Oh. Yeah, and it just rocks, dude. And then it goes into that weird middle section where, all right, Tokyo. Dan, yeah. dan, dan, dan. All right, Los Angeles. Dan, 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 dan. And then it goes that, that little fucking 10 second drum solo. Fuck yeah, man. What a great, great, rocking, fun song, dude. Like, you know, in the vein of Houses Rocking. Right. Uh, oh, it's yeah. just a fucking, it's just a fun tune. It, it's, it's fucking awesome. I love it. Oh, God. Oh, man. And when, when Xander's like, remember, you know, oh, God. That's great in the world, though. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Whatever. Oh, I was just going to say it reminded me of that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm drunk. Oh, whoops. It was a long time coming, but it sounds so sweet. Come on, man. Get off my back. Heard it on the airport. It was on TV. Read it in a magazine going across the street. Makes no sense, but I hope it's going to last. Real feel good. I really got to laugh. Walk this way and play like hell. God, I can keep going. It's such a great. Oh, nice. It's just a great delivery oh, to such a well, so, well fucking written, melodic, hard rocking vocal. You yeah, know? it's great. Who wrote this one? The whole band, right? No, this is just Rick Nielsen. Only Rick. All right, cool. Uh, yeah, there was uh, so far out of, of what we talked about. Everything is Rick Nielsen, except for Way of the World is Rick Nielsen and Robin Zander. Uh, House is Rockin' is Tom Peterson and Rick Nielsen. And I'll Be With You Tonight is the whole band. Other than that, so far, everything has been uh, Rick Nielsen by himself. Fucking genius, man. What's under that app? Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's why he's got to flip the bill out, you know? Oh, uh, awesome. but yeah, yeah, right on the wall, dude. I mean, what, uh, like just a, a fist pumping. Like, yeah! Uh, oh fuck! I love this tune, man. And, and like I said, 
perfect placement, you know, for, uh, to make a complete album. I, I love, like, you know, when, a, when a, a song like Voices comes on and you're just like, oh, and then the next song just beats you over the head. You know, and that's what Riding on the Wall does. It beats you over the head. Like, hey, shut up, lover boy, here we go. You know? <laughs> and uh, just amazing. Love Riding on the Wall. Hell yeah. Then we go into the next one, which is, uh, I believe, the first time uh, that there is a Tom Peterson lead vocal on studio. That is true. Uh, I know what I want. And the only time. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It is the only one. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, because live he would also do uh, Wait for the Man a lot. Yeah. But uh, but this is, you know, as far as on album. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people who complain about like every time I see Cheap Trick they play this song it never bothers me every time that I've seen them they've played this and I love it because I just love the the punky nasally tone of Tom Peterson on this song and it fits perfect I mean uh, man I just love you know hearing that bass you know I think he's got like a 57 strung bass <laughs> you know with that down you know but I just love that I know what I want and I know how to get it I know what I want <coughs> oh shit <coughs> from you uh, I love that shit hell yeah fucking duck oh man that, that's just some good shit and it's neat to hear like a different voice you know it's kind of it's kind of special like you know when you listen to old kiss and then finally you get love gun and you hear shock me and you hear like a different voice thrown into the mix and uh and i think it adds to the charm of the album you know it gives it a a a different flavor yeah and uh and i never complain about this even though a lot of people do uh man I, i i love i know what i want it to me, it, it's got the spirit and the fucking, you know, the angst of, of Cheap Trick, just with a different, you know, different little flavor, but it fits in perfect. Love it. What do you think? Uh, me too. I do love it. But, you know, my only complaint about the song is I wish they would stop playing it live. <laughs> uh, because it is a song that, I don't know, it sounds, to me, it sounds better on record. And just watching them play it live, it, I don't know, man. And it's wild, because when I watch them play it live, every time I see them play this, they are so into it. And I'm thinking to myself, really? You know, I don't think it's acting, but they really are into playing this song. You know, I guess if you were asked the members of Cheap Trick their favorite songs, this would probably be one of them, because, boy, this makes the set list all the time. And, man, I know Waiting waiting for the Man has been re-added to the set list in recent years. Again, I always miss it, because... The way they work. Oh if, wow! Yeah, the way they work. If they play "Away the Man," "Away for the Man," they're not gonna play. I know what I want, and vice versa. And every time they come down here, and every time I see them, it's I know what I want. So come on, man, play "Away for the Man" and fuck away the world. You know, but I, uh, no, I, no. I, could, I I could be wrong, but I think the last time I saw them, I thought they did a mix of both of these. You might be right. I wouldn't know. You know. I I, I think I think that, you know it started out with this and then it went into wait, for, but but I mean it was kind of like you know it's like unfortunately how Pantera used to do uh, 
you know, domination of hollow. I think right. it started out. Uh, I know what I know what I want, and then it went into I'm waiting for the man. But that's uh, pretty. I'd, I'd take that. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I saw them play this the very first time I saw Cheap Trick before Tree Police came out. Like I, I think I said this earlier, Rick Nielsen said, "Oh, we got a new album in the can. You guys want to hear something off it?" And then, all right, this is a song featuring Tom Peterson and Vogel. I was like, "Whoa!" You know, I was like, "Wow!" Really? And uh, yeah, I think there hasn't been a show since that night, uh, other than when Tom left the band, obviously. Uh, when Tom came back during Lap of Luxury, this song has been on the set list every fucking show I've been to. And I'm talking even like when they opened for Journey and Heart, they still played this with that little set, 30-minute set or 40-minute set, what have you. Uh, but it is a great song. I do love it. Um, but, you know, I, I like it more as a studio track, to tell you the truth. There, there is a version of Robin singing this, but I've never oh, heard it. Oh, uh, yeah, I was going to say, I've never heard that. Yeah, I've never heard it either. I, I know that Robin sang this. I, I know I, I know it would sound amazing. Like, yeah. you know, any, anything he sings sounds amazing. Right. But, but uh, you know, I, I, I just love getting that Tom Peterson vocal. Yeah, I yeah, know. It's awesome. All right. Well, why don't you take the final track? All right. Tom and Rick wrote this one. Need Your Love first appeared on Budokan. Um, this song has returned to the set list uh, the last few, in the last few years, which I see them play this all the time now, and I welcome it. You know, um, there is a song from Nirvana. I I I can't. I might be wrong which one it is. I think it's "I'm on a Plane" um, from Nevermind, where it breaks down that section. Dun, 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 dun. And Kirk Cobain goes, dude, he totally borrows that shit. That to me reminds me of that killer part in New Year Love where, you know, it's all quiet, like deep, deep. And Rick Nielsen goes, gang, 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 And he does this sporadic thing during some really mellow vibe thing. And yeah, Kirk Cobain in the liner notes of Insecticide even said himself that we're, you know, people praise us on all this shit, but. We're nothing but a cheap trick ripoff then. He, he actually says that. You read those right. Lines. I believe he said cheap trick in the match. And uh, but, but man, what an another, maybe not as good as well, definitely not as good as Ray, Gonna Raise Hell. But boy, if Gonna Raise Hell is not on this album. This would be the epic song. Oh yeah. You know, it's just so good. And another cool thing about this song was uh, Raven, the band Raven, which. I don't know if I told the story on the podcast that once the same that same show where I had to take a piss during West Palm Beach, he was there and he was standing right next to me. I probably got piss on his shoes. And before they came out, his wife said to me, "Hey, you like heavy metal, right?" I was like, "Yeah, man." He's like, "You ever heard of the band Raven?" I go, "I'm gonna go see them next week because I was like a week prior to when I flew to New Jersey to see that Hurricane Relief." Thing. And she's like, "Yeah, my." Here's my 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 uh, husband, John, and I, I was like, "Holy fuck, John Gallagher!" You know, and uh, well, anyway, the reason I bring up Raven was when Raven plays live, they do the song, a classic, great Raven song called "Break the Chains." When they play it live, they they do it for like ten minutes because they play it, and then they go into this whole medley of songs, 
and then they go back into the song. Well, during that medley, they do that. And I always love seeing them play that live. And, and uh, another story, I mean, John, I, I was with the brothers, John and Mark Gallagher, and uh, n knowing that I'm a cheap trick fan, they both, like, I sat down backstage in New Jersey and they told me this whole story of the first time they saw Cheap Trick in England at an outdoor show and the light trucks all fucked up and almost fell on them. And uh, just some great stories about Cheap Trick. Those two guys are amazing people, but um, oh my God, I love this. And yeah, you know what? I'll take this version over Live at Budokan, actually. And uh, yeah, it's fucking amazing. I love it, Lisa. Oh, oh yeah, this is definitely epic. Uh, I kind of agree with you. I have to give a slight nudge to uh, Gonna Raise Hell, but this one is like right there. But like to me, like three songs that I think are totally epic in scope is Gonna Raise Hell, Need Your Love, and Can't Hold On. Uh, you know, even though can't hold on you know isn't as long as as the other two but it's still very epic in its nature but need your love i mean what a fucking closer and oh my god uh, and another thing that i'm surprised you didn't mention is in the instrumental uh part of the song he plays a little bit of tnt and bang a gong get it on like nicks a couple riffs off of that you see I, I never noticed that before. yeah listen to it again check it out what, but uh, that, that what? What part of it? Uh, the beginning. Uh, and oi, and and I'm I'm drunk right now. I I'm just maybe uh, it's a different TV. No, I believe it's TNT. Okay. But uh, uh, but it's just it's it's fucking amazing, and uh. You know, you know, for a song that goes all over the place between epics and ballads and just straight-ahead rockers, uh, again, like I've said a thousand times on this show, this is one that leaves you wanting more. Like, you know, you you want something after need, you know, because it takes you on a journey, and then as soon as it's over, it's like, no, I don't want to leave. <laughs> you know, I want more of this. And... Man, just does it perfect. Need your love. One I've never seen him play live. Really? Never. Oh, well, go see him soon because they've been. I don't think that's that's been taken off the set list for a while now. Or did they, it? Lo they love playing this shit live lately. Yeah. Here, here, here's the set list for the last time I saw him. Uh, hello there, big eyes, California man. Look out on top of the world. She's tight. In the street, that's the that seventy show yeah, song. Yeah. I know what I want. I could have swore they were playing a man, but anyway, baby loves to rock. Need your love, magical mystery tour, the flame. I want you to want me. Dream police, ain't that a shame? Surrender, uh, Vita Zane, and good night. Nice, very excited. Yeah. So maybe I'm thinking of another show. I don't know. But, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I think this is one of the... I was so drunk, like I said, when I saw this. But I guess I didn't see it live. So that's awesome. <laughs> there you go. But uh, what a great way to, to end the album. 
And uh, just to show you how clueless, though, a lot of people are, Robert, I believe his name is Christog, you or whatever. Anyway, he was a big uh, record reviewer in the 70s, like held, held in high esteem. He gave it a B minus. <laughs> Rolling Stone gave it a mixed review. In the Rolling Stone album guide, it's given three stars. And Smash Hits gave it a mixed review. But yet, AllMusic.com has gave it four and a half stars. Wow. So, it was it was released September twenty first, nineteen seventy nine. And even though it was they finished recording in early 1979, it was held back because of the success from At Budokan. It was, I believe, their last album produced by Tom Worman. No. And uh, no. Lap of Luxury. Oh, he did Lap of Luxury. Yes, he did. Oh, I thought that was Richie Zito. Okay, I know. Oh, maybe I know you're he, right. I know I, he did Bustin. No, no, I think, I believe Tom Warner did um, Lap of Luxury, yes. Let me see real quick. No, Richie Zito. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm wrong. Yeah, Richie Zito did both that and, and Busted. Did he do Standing on the Edge? I'm pretty uh, sure Tom, Tom Warner came back for another cheap trade album. No, that was Jack Douglas who did the first album. That's weird, you know, because, you know, yeah. Jack, Jack Douglas... The first album is great, and I'll, uh, you know what Jack Douglas also did for Cheap Trick was the Found All the Parts. Uh, Jack Douglas... No, no, I believe that was Tom Warman. Or no, 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 no I think Jack, you're right. No, it's Jack I, Douglas. I, I, they, I went in, right. they went into the studio and cut a bunch of, like, demos and shit. And oh, I that, heard, that... Some of those are in the box that, like, um, uh, oh, God. Um, okay, I Need okay. Love. Yeah, Jack, Jack Jack Douglas produced uh, Such a Good Girl and Take Me, I'm Yours. Yeah, but what, what, I, what I'm getting at was those two songs were just two songs, but they did, they went to the studio at that time and cut like like 10 songs. And they right. only added two of those. But you can hear like, I Need Love is one of them. Uh, I think Om Sweet Om. Uh, uh, the, the outtakes were I Need Love, Loser, Oh Boy. Loser, yes. Fan club, ain't yes. got you. You talk too much, and I was a fool. Yeah, all all great songs except for uh, you talk too much. Losers, awesome. That's a great fucking song. Which which actually there's an original version of Loser that appeared on a compilation album way back on the first when the when they released the first album. Epic released like some compilation that had the original version that Josh Douglas did. That's a great song too. Loser is like, it's it's pretty long too, but it's it's kind of like a snotty song, and uh, I love that one. That and again, it's one of those Rick Nielsen song where it just Robin Zander sings it, but you picture Rick Nielsen, you know, because it's so creepy, such a creepy tune. But yeah, but uh, yeah, as I'm I'm looking, uh, of course we all know George Martin did uh, uh, all shook up. Roy Thomas Baker from Queen fame did one on one. Todd Rundgren. Yeah, Todd Rundgren did next position, please. Todd Rundgren and Ian Taylor, and uh, yeah, standing on the edge was Jack Douglas. Who did the Doctor? Let's see. Oh, Tony Platt. 
Tony Platt. He did some other shitty stuff in the eighties that I can't think of offhand. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was bad. Let's see, Tony Platt. Where do I know that asshole's name from? I've heard that name before too. Uh, uh, oh, he. Uh, let's see. Uh, he did some crocus. He, he he did another perfect day. That's where I know him from. Oh, okay, there you go. Well, that's a good album. Yeah. He also did a lot of shit, too. So, there you go. Uh, let's see. Going back to Cheap Trick. Uh, yeah, Richie Zito did Lap of Luxury and Busted. Woke Up With a Monster was uh, Ted Templeman. Oh, wow. Uh, That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, Cheap Trick was... Uh, 97 was, was Cheap Trick and Ian Taylor. Uh, let's see. Special one was Cheap Trick and Chris Shaw. Rockford was Cheap Trick and a bunch of other guys. Oh, Jack Douglas produced one, was a co-producer. Steve Albini was a co-producer. Chris Shaw, a bunch of different people on that one. Oh, I can't stand Steve Albini. Fuck that guy. The latest was done by, yeah, Julian Raymond and Howard Willing. Nobody I've ever heard of. And, uh, oh, Julian Raymond also uh, co produced the last album that I love that Bang Zoom Crazy Hello. And, the, and that, I mean, I mean, just, I mean, that album. I love, love, love that album. And, uh, the, the fucking, uh, uh, the single When I Wake Up Tomorrow. Oh, my God, was that good. Was that good. Oh, oh yeah. so, I, I, I mean, it, very kind of like Bowie-esque for them, but just amazing for a band that long in the tooth to come out with a new song that, uh, to me, was that, like, an instant classic, you know? Oh, great album. Loved it. Loved Got it, it on vinyl. Ooh, nice. De- definitely on my, uh, on my, my favorite of, of uh, 2016, that's for sure. I would have to say so myself. It's on my list. Alrighty, well, that is uh, our review of Cheat Trick Dream Police, and uh, if you haven't took the fucking hint already, go buy this fucking album. It's amazing. It's, uh, as we said earlier, both of our favorite studio albums from Cheat Trick. And that's saying something. Yes. Definitely. Definitely saying something. Alright, well, Ralph, do you have a pick of the week? You know, I never do this, but I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to okay. pick something from the band we just reviewed. Alrighty. Um, and I believe it's out of print. I don't think you can get it anymore. Uh, oh, man. And, and you want to talk about no promotion? I walked into a record store and saw Cheat Trick at Budokan Part 2. Yes. Like, I was like, what the fuck's this? And then I flipped it over and I'm seeing all these killer songs. I'm like, oh, my God. These are the songs that they played that night or those nights right. that never appeared on the album. So... Um, that album is so good. It's like what they did with Cheap Trick at Budokan. They kind of like, with the exception of maybe Look Out and uh, and and uh, Big Eyes, they 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 added like the lighter stuff on that album. Which believe me, even light that shit rocks live. But they all the heavier songs are on this, and there's a couple tracks on there that do not appear on the complete Budokan. They were recorded when Cheap Trick returned in 1980. 
and I believe the songs are How Are You, Stiff Competition, and I know there's another one. That, oh, Top of the World. Uh, which, you know, I guess now those are the only, and they're great too. And you can only get it on Cheap Trick at Budokan too. You might be able to find it online for cheap, never released on vinyl. Came out on, came out on CD with no hype whatsoever. But that's my pick. I love it. Cheap Trick at Budokan too. All right. Well, that fucks. It doesn't fuck up, but it's kind of it, it's close to my pick because I was picking Cheap Trick as well, and uh, and mine is Cheap Trick the Complete Budokan. Uh, that's how I first got to learn, you know, know the album, and I've gone back and I've listened to the original release version, and I love it. But here in the complete concert, I mean, it really is. It gives you more the feeling of a complete show because there is more um, variations in songs. I mean, I mean, you got you got the poppy shit and you got the heavy shit, and I think it's a great representation of how amazing. Uh, of a live band they were back then so I would definitely check out I know there's a box set you have it I don't have it the complete Budokan it's got the DVD and everything it's amazing because it brings all three shows yeah yeah that 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 yeah. I don't have yeah you should I'm, you should definitely get it. it comes with a poster a really thick book right the it's, one I'm, it's awesome the one I'm talking about is just called you know Budokan the complete concert but uh it you also know, I, it also brings the complete show on DVD. Nice. Yeah, because uh, Budokan was recorded for Japanese TV. So, I mean, if you want, if you're already a Cheap Trick fan, I would say get this like complete collection with with the DVD and everything. If if you're somebody that just like you know you love us so much, you listen to this whole episode, and you're still like I don't know about Cheap Trick. I would say start off with the complete Budokan concert, and I think that will give you a better representation of the light and the shade of this band, how heavy uh, yet melodic they could be at the same time, and I think anybody would walk away a fan from oh, yeah. either of these uh, either of these picks. Incredible. Incredible band. All right. Well, now it's time to go into Fan of the Week. And here's something, you know, we record a lot of episodes. Almost all our episodes are recorded a long time before you hear them. And then later on we add news or do all this post-production that takes a lot of time and we do it for free. Well, mostly Ralph. Uh, but there's something that happened today uh, as the day that we're recording this. I already, know, I already know what you're going to do. Yeah, you probably won't even hear this episode so well into, well, not well into, but a, but a, maybe a month or two into 2017. But as of today, Matt Weller's dick. Oh my God. I, I, I seriously almost cried at work. It was beautiful. Tears of joy. This guy filmed himself burning a Sammy Hagar album. Oh yeah. For, first he broke it with a bat. <laughs> and then he, he took the album sleeve and the, and the inner sleeve, burned it on a grill. He picked up the pieces of, of the record, threw that on the grill. All this while wearing a Michael Myers mask. Yeah. And an ACDC shirt. Yeah. And this came about from uh, 
we had an episode where we talked about the H-A-S-H-I-T album or whatever. And, and, and Ralph, Ralph brought up, I guess, some positive points. If they were positive, it had to be HIV positive. But, uh, you know, so the guy saw it in a record store for like $1.50. He's like, well, Ralph said it's really not that bad, so I'll check it out. And I just belittled him for doing this. I'm like, I'm like, you fucked up. You fucked up. Big. You you want to make this fucking up to me? You you burn this shit and videotape it. Well, he didn't burn that record, but he got a a, a solo Sammy Hagar uh, album, Danger Zone, and did what we just talked about, and it was amazing. And what I really want to do is start a trend. Uh, already right now, Matt Wellersdick, you are fan of the year for 2016. You won the fucking year. Done. Set. You got it. But I want more of our loyal listeners to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast to take anything Sammy Hagar related, burn it, videotape this shit, put it up on the Facebook page, and I, I'm, I'm even talking about doing giveaways. Like, like for people who do this, like like you, you tell me a record or, or a CD that you love, and I will give you one from my private collection, and I'll sign it. I'll sign it. I'll personalize it to you, and I'll mail it. But what you have to do is burn something Sammy Hagar related, put it on video, and then just spam the shit out of it on Facebook. And uh, but there's a couple things I don't want anybody to buy a new copy of anything Sammy Hagar because I don't want any money to actually go to him. But if you go to a used record store and buy it, uh, it works out both uh, two ways. One, none of that money goes back to Sammy Hagar. Two, you make sure that that album doesn't fall in the hands of anybody else. So you burn this shit, put a video on, you tell me what record you love. If I got it, I'll sign it and send it to you. And But I want this to like build up. Eventually, what I would like is somebody to burn a actual Sammy Hagar fan. Like you, just, <laughs> you, you just kidnap a Sammy Hagar fan and burn him alive. Or at least like, you, you know, somebody wearing a Sammy Hagar shirt and you run up and dropkick this fucking bitch right in the fucking nuts. Just like... Just bam, full fucking, you know, all five toes right in the fucking dads and videotape that shit. Put it up there. Yeah, but when but, you do it, don't burn down the corn the corn dog shot because, you know, th- those people might yeah. not like Sammy Hagar. Well, you know, that that's Ralph being all nice and shit. I really don't care. I don't care if they live or die. Uh, I want it to start with burning the music of Sammy Hagar and I want it to... To, to build up, you know, fuck cyberbullying. Cyberbullying is for pussies. I want real life bullying. Like you really bully a person in real life and beat the shit out of a Sammy Hagar fan. Videotape that shit. And not only will you get a, you know, a CD out of my personal collection, you will get mucho respect. Hell yeah. You know, you know, was my believe believe it or not. The part that made me laugh the most about that video was when well, he was al- jacking off and he threw it. <laughs> no, no, the, the, where he got a shot of the album on fire, 
and the expression on Sam Hagar's face when he's screaming. He's like, ah! And he's on fire. He's like, ah! It looks so perfect. I was like, look at him. It looks like, you know, he's making a face that he's on fire. Beautiful. Nice. Nice. What was the name right, of that well, album? Danger Zone? That was the name da- of it? Danger Zone. Oh, what a <laughs> stupid ass name for an album. What a bitch. I hate that motherfucker. I'll tell you what. And, and if one of you burned Sammy Hagar alive, I don't know. I'll give you everything I fucking own. Uh, we'll get you out of jail. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. We'll Actually, break you I'll, out. I'll, I'll, I'll retire. You can have my spot on the show if you kill Sammy I'll Hager. be your lawyer. I'll fucking I'll get you out of that case. <laughs> All I got to do is bring in VOA and play for the yeah. jury. They'll understand and, why yeah. they're and, and if Ralph can't get you off, I'm sure Justin Childers will. Yeah, he will. Yeah. In the judge's <laughs> chamber. But... Uh, but uh, Matt Weller's dick, not only are you a fan of the week again, you are a fan of the year 2016. Uh, man, you, you, you made my day. Nice. All right, let's get to the plugs. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K. 8 p.m. U.K. time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Ear Peeler the podcasting and interview news site to keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear. Go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watch It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting Podkissed, the KISS audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your Podkissed. Every month, the Podkissed crew, along with the KISS room, brings you KISS talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great KISS fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkissed. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. Hey, everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... You'll love us. 
That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, Greg Simp Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addicts, and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. Alright, well if you love this cheap chick trick shit, I can't even fucking talk anymore. Fantastic episode, and goddamn well you should. Come back next week, when hopefully... We have live via satellite video footage from the funeral of a Sammy Hagar fan that was killed, inspired by this show. <laughs> this, this shit might come back to haunt me, but I'm okay with that. Don't do the crime if you can't do the time. Don't do it. <laughs> awesome. That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Keep your eye on the sparrow. That's right. Fuck Hagar.